is wonderful to be here again in front of those who are seeking to make their calling and election sure. Today's lesson is a time of reflection. It is a time to look at ourselves and seeing if we are doing what Peter wrote in the second epistle. Are we making our calling and election sure? Are we doing those things that God has commanded us? In today's lesson, we're going to talk about our reasonable service. We're going to talk about our initial call and election. Where does our call come from? What are we called to do? What to become? We're going to talk about our ultimate call and election. For many are called, but few are chosen. And lastly, we're going to look at how we can make sure by God's standards... We know that our calling and election are sure. So let's get into the introduction today. Our reasonable service. God makes promises to those who are called that are precious. Look over to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're beginning in verse 3. Reading there. 2 Peter verse 1, I mean chapter 1, verse 3. As the divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us by the glory of virtue, by which he has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. God's promise is heaven. That is his promise to us. Those who he has called. That is what we are ultimately looking forward to. That is the goal, right? That is why we're here today, to learn more about how to get there. It is our reasonable service to make sure that our calling and election is sure. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, and verses 1 and 2, <coughs> about what our reasonable service is. And it just echoes the same statement that Peter makes. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. That echoes that same statement that Peter makes in the second epistle. Make your calling and election sure. It is our reasonable service to do this. There's an implication there. There's an action from us. It's conditional. We have to be working to do these things. It doesn't just show up one day and it's guaranteed to us, but it is conditional. <coughs> we have to be doing something. It is also implied that those who have been called need to make their election sure. So what is our call in our election? What, is, what does our call come from? And what are we called to do or to become? God calls us through the gospel. Look over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and we'll read verse 14. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and we'll read verse 14. He says, to which he calls you by our gospel for the attaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
What is this gospel that he has called us by? It's the gospel of Christ concerning his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Look over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look what Paul writes about the gospel of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you that the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So we can see here that the gospel... It's concerning Christ, his death, his burial, and most importantly, his resurrection. The gospel contains commands that must be obeyed. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. Notice what God will do to those who do not obey. And flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, or those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And echo that with 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, For time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Continue that thought of something being conditional here. The first command is the command to believe in Jesus. In John chapter 8 and verse 24, Jesus says, Unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. The next command is the command to repent of your sins. In Acts the 17th chapter, Paul explained to the Athenians, their unknown God says there will come a time when God will call all men to repent. That the times of ignorance is over and that all men must repent. Because he will judge us by Jesus. The next command is the command to confess Jesus as Lord. Look over to Romans chapter 10. In verses 9 and 10. Beginning there. It says for this. Romans 10, 9 and 10. I'm sorry. I misspoke. For that when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in him with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart of one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made on to salvation. Now most of us in this room know that is not the end of the story. There's another command. The last command. The command to be baptized. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 Jesus tells them to go forth into all the nations baptizing them with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Mark 16 verses 15 and 16 Jesus speaking again says he who is believed and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. In Acts 2, 
on the day of Pentecost, when the children of Israel ask Peter, what shall we do? He tells them, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And later in Acts 22, Paul says, why does thou tarryest? Arise and be baptized. So we see the commands. The commands to believe in Jesus. The commands to repent. The command to confess Jesus as Lord. And the command to be baptized. So I'll ask you today. Have you responded to the gospel with the obedience of faith? Let's look over to Romans chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you are also called of Jesus Christ. The Hebrew writer will write in Hebrews 5, 9, that Jesus Christ is the author of eternal salvation. That Christ has authored it already. We can get access to it by obeying the gospel. By believing, confessing, repenting, and being baptized. Have you responded to that call? We can make sure our initial call responses by obeying all commands of the gospel. Not just the command to believe, but the command to repent. Not just the command to confess, but the command to be baptized. By obeying the commands in a biblical manner, have you been baptized in a proper mode? Have you been fully buried? Not just have water sprinkled over your forehead or poured over you. Were you fully buried in water? Were you baptized for the right purpose? Were you baptized for remission of sins? Not as a public profession of your faith, but for what we find in Scripture, the remission of your sins. Are you a suitable subject? Can you come up here and say why you need to be baptized? The children in this room that I see probably could not do that. They could not come to me and explain to me why they need Christ. But if you can, you should. And you should delay. If your response is different in any way, what should you do? What should you do? Those who were improperly baptized were re-baptized. Let's go over to Acts chapter 19. Let's read verses 1 and 5. Starting in verse 1 of Acts 19. And it happened while Paul was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after them, that is on Christ Jesus. Note verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of 
Lord Jesus. So if you have not been properly baptized, don't wait. If your baptism was in any way different than what we find in Ephesians 4 5, you should be concerned. We know in Ephesians 4 5 it's written, it is one baptism. It is my belief that it is the baptism of the Great Commission, given in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 and Acts 2. It is the baptism of go out to preach to all the nations and make disciples. A biblical baptism, the correct mode, the right purpose for the right person, and remove all doubt. Make your calling and election sure with a biblical response to the gospel. Easy enough, right? Confess, repent, believe, confess, repent, and be baptized. Shouldn't stop there, though. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. That is not to the world. That is to Christians. We should be more focused on what to do after our initial call. What should we do after we've been baptized? We should also consider our ultimate call and election. For we know many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus taught this in several parables. If you want to, go ahead and turn your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 13. And we'll read about the tares. Jesus' explanation of the tares. Verses 41 and 43. Beginning there. Then the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom, all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness. And he will cast them into the furnace of fire, there will be wailing and gnashing teeth. And then the righteous will sign forth as a son in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Flip over a couple chapters. Let's read about the wedding feast in chapter 22. Starting in verse 1 of Matthew 22. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who were invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatty cattle are killed, and all things already come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their own ways. One to his farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king had heard about this, he was furious, and he sent out his armies to destroy those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, as many as you find, and invite them to the wedding. So those servants went out to the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there, who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, 
and cast him into outer darkness. But there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The last parable we'll look at in Matthew is a parable of the talents. Look up at Matthew chapter 25. And let's read 24 through 30. Down to the one talent. Beginning in verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent on the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I weep where I had not sown, and gather where I had not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Yeah. Therefore, take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will be given have abundance. But for him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the last parable is the vine and the branches. Turn over to John chapter 15 and verses 1 and 2. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 15 of John, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Seems an awful big echo of what we just read in the talents. Right? The fruit-bearing branches will be pruned, and they will bear more fruit. Those who have the most talents will be given more, right? He who has abundance will have more. And those who are lacking will have weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's think about the calling of the nation of Israel. Think about their calling. Israel as a whole were called to be God's people. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. It's Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. I want you to put this, this verse in your memory and just hang on to it for a while. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord has chosen them. He has made them special. Right? He has separated them. But notice, their calling was conditional. Look over to Exodus chapter 19. And we read verses 5 and 6. Beginning there, verse 5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. That seems awfully conditional there, doesn't it? If you keep, if you obey. This seems very, very conditional. And we know that many individuals have failed 
and live up to their calling. Let's turn over to Hebrews, the third chapter. Beginning there in verse 7, chapter 3 of Hebrews. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of the trial of the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me, and saw my works for years, therefore I was angry with that generation, and said, They always go astray in their heart, and have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Skip down to verse 16. For who have heard rebel? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for you? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? And whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that it could not enter because of unbelief. It's pretty obvious to me that the calling of the nation of Israel was very, very conditional. Similar. It's the calling and the election of the church of God. The church as a whole, we are called to be God's people. I bet you most of us can repeat this verse on autopilot. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Let's turn over there and read it. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We have been called out. We have that same calling almost as the children of Israel. Yet our calling and election of individuals is conditional. Look over to Romans chapter 11 and verse 22. Look at what Paul writes to the Romans here. Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity before you goodness. If you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. A lot of conditions here. Turn over to Revelation chapter 2. And look what is written to this church here in chapter 2. Beginning in verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from this place, unless you repent. Skip down to verse 10 in the last part. And look what he says there. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Sounds awfully conditional. Sounds awfully conditional again. To be faithful is our condition. Brothers and sisters in this room, we can become hardened and we can fall away. 
Turn over to Hebrews chapter 3 again. And we'll read verses 12 through 15. Again, it's Hebrews chapter 3. And we'll read verses 12 through 15. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief, and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Look at verse 14 again. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our constant confidence steadfast to the end. That echoes what we read earlier. Be faithful on till death. We have been called, but will we be chosen? That's the question, right? We know that we've been called, but will we be chosen? Turn over to Matthew chapter 25 and we'll read verses 34. And this is a super encouraging verse. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I'm going to read that to you one more time. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's what we're all trying to hear, right? That's our end goal. Look at verse 41 of that same chapter. And this should put the fear in us. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you are cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. While we have been called, will we be chosen? That is what making sure our calling and election is sure is all about. How can we make sure our election is by God's standards? First, by being fruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Turn over to 2 Peter, chapter 1 again. Now let's read verses 1 through 5 through 11. And did not. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self control, to self control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Adding to our faith such things as virtue, and knowledge, and self-control, and a 
abounding in perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. We know that we will never stumble. Our second point is by growing in grace and knowledge. Turn over to chapter 3 and verses 17 and 18. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware that you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away from the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Point A says, beware of the dangers of apostasy. That is a fancy way for saying beware of the abandonment of the faith. Beware of abandoning your faith. Of throwing your armor and your sword down and quitting. That is a, a lot more eloquent way to say that than what I just did. Let's stand fast together in the grace in Christ. By learning from the parables of Jesus, we know not to do those things that offend or to practice lawlessness. Adorning ourselves with garments of righteousness and utilizing our talents. It's our abilities and our opportunities. And Christ has given us those things. Everyone in this room has a talent. Everyone in this room can do something for the Lord. Everyone, do not take your talent and hide it. We see what happens to those who do that. Bearing fruit in our service to the Lord. Will your entrance into the kingdom be abundantly supplied? Will you be ready? In conclusion, it never hurts to ask oneself, have I truly responded to the gospel of Christ? Was I scripturally baptized for the remission of my sins? Was my baptism like those depicted in the example of conversions in the scriptures? Might I need to be rebaptized like those in Ephesus? It never hurts to ask oneself, am I growing in grace? Am I abounding in the knowledge of Christ? Am I studying the Bible? Am I growing in my knowledge? Am I utilizing the talents Christ has given me? Earlier I said everyone has a talent. Some might be preachers. Some might be teachers. Some might be people who make bulletins. Some might be people who just go out into the world and just say, hey, we heard about Jesus. Do not hide your talent. Am I bearing fruit? With such question, we only seek to make our calling and election sure. In the words of Paul, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. He writes that to the Corinthians in his second letter. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test You want to know what to test yourself against? It's the Word of God. 
test yourself and you think you can build a test, retake it. Try again. And if you think you're passing a test, retake it. Try again. This test is, is always pass-fail. We should always be examining ourselves. If you have not obeyed the gospel call, now is as good a time as any to obey it. It is your initial call and your initial election. But if you have obeyed the gospel and you're sitting in the pew needing to come forward to ask for prayers or repent of sin, we ask you to come forward and get back on the journey to make your calling and election show up. We invite you to do these things as we stand and sing the song that is selected.